This is the Age Group Multisport Podcast with me, Richard Conway, giving a platform for Age Group Multisport athletes to showcase their journeys. Welcome along to episode 60 of the Age Group Multisport Podcast. Thank you once again for joining us. And on this episode, we reached out for more guests to come on the podcast because we'd got to the end of the list. And a few from America um, got back in touch. And one of those was today's guest, who was Dr. Jim Taylor. And Jim is a PhD in psychology and he specialises in sport performance. Um, so it was nice to hear a different country's perspective on um, age group multi-sport. And in Jim's case, it's triathlon. And he races for America. Uh, and we discuss a little bit about how it's different to uh, how we do things over in the UK. And also, Jim... Um, very kindly gives us five tips um, about how we can use sports psychology in our preparations for multi-sport. Um, Jim's also an author of 18 books. Um, he does a blog and he's got a couple of podcasts and all that information can be found on his website, which we mention in the podcast itself. Uh, and I'll put them in the I'll put his website uh, details in the show notes. So, yeah, uh, great to speak to Jim and fascinating chat um, just to get a different slant on it. Um, so that's coming up. Apologies, uh, I've got a little bit of a head cold going on. Um, so if I s sound a bit strained, um, yeah, that's why. And also apologies for the, the sound uh, on this this podcast uh, with Jim. Um, it was, we've done the best we can with it. Uh, it didn't record how it usually does. Um, so we struggled with the sound, but I think I've, I've made it listenable. So I hope, hope it's okay. And um, it's not, not too, too bad or too painful for you to listen to. So last weekend I took part in my first cross duathlon. Never done anything cross before, um, so it was a, a first for me. And this all stemmed from a conversation with Mrs C, who um, loves Ibiza. We've been there several times, raced there once, and missed out to qualify this year due to a crash. And I was just on the British Triathlon website looking at various things, as you do, and suddenly came across the uh, Cross Duathlon webpage and um, noticed in my age group there was only one participant. Um, I mean, there isn't many uptakers at all in any of the age groups. Um, so I thought I'd just click in and have a look at what you needed to do to qualify. And unlike sprint duathlon and olympic distance duathlon or triathlon for that matter there are no set qualification races so basically what you've got to do is find a race compete 
and admit your time. And I guess it's a bit like the longer distance and the half distance um, multi-sport events. That's exactly what you've got to do for those, I believe. Um, so I thought, what events are out there that we can try and have a go at to put a time in to see if we could qualify for a holiday? I mean, um, an event over in Ibiza. So once again, having a look at the events page on the British Tri website, uh, there was two events that were posted up there. And the first one was coming up soon at the time I was looking. And that was over at Staunton Harold Hall in Leicestershire in the National Forest. So trying to source more information, um, had a look on the events webpage and they were putting on for the first time uh, a cross duathlon. So I got in touch with uh, Dean Hughes, who was running the event and asked him a few questions. Um, for example, what type of bike uh, was needed, whether it was a cyclocross or a mountain bike, and what the course was going to entail and what it was going to be like, um, and whether it hit the uh, requirements of um, what the British try deemed um, suitable. So I, armed with the information that Dean supplied, um, I then decided to get in touch with David Pearson, who's the manager of the Cross Tri Duathlon uh, World Championship GB team um, over in Ibiza next year and see what he thought of the course and he gave me a little bit of feedback um, again difficult actually for David to uh, to say whether it would or wouldn't hit the hit the criteria um, but he gave me as much feedback as he could and so with that pay the entrance fee and give it a go so that's what I did um, bit of a strange one absolutely gorgeous setting me and mrs c had been there the week before um with betty and had a wander around and just to see what what the place was like and it was absolutely glorious i didn't even know it existed to be fair um the uh, national trust and beautiful beautiful setting uh so if you've never been to staunton harold just get yourself over there and have a look lovely lake uh, really nice craft shops garden center uh, loads of woodland loads of tracks um, a few reservoirs up there so yeah really really nice place um, but getting back to the entry I'd noticed that um, it wasn't a massive event that they were putting on didn't have many you know didn't have big numbers um, but the cross duathlon there was only two of us racing so I wasn't sure how that was going to go down with um, trying to qualify to be fair Um there was some confusion over what time it was going to start. Uh, when the start list came out, uh, I was down to be confirmed, and the other guy that was racing it, he was down to start at 8.30. So that was a bit confusing. Tried to get in touch with um, the event uh, management and left a couple of messages, but unfortunately they never got back to me, um, which I was disappointed with, to say the least. Um so I thought, anyway, I'll rock up, see what happens. If nothing else, it's going to be a workout if they actually put it on. Um, so Sunday morning came round, got myself across there. It was about a two-hour trip. Um, nice drive over. Got uh, all my gear ready. 
uh, rocked up and met Rebecca from the event management team. And uh, yeah, she apologised for the lack of communication and turned out there's only going to be me that was racing um, and they were going to fit it in between the duathlon finishing and the kids race starting. So I had a recce of the track, uh, good track, good good route, but again, last minute they'd, they'd altered it because they didn't want anybody getting lost and the bigger bigger track that they'd had. And um, they decided to use the run route and I was to go around the run route four times. Um, so it was a, a run, four times around the run route and then another run and that was going to be the race. Uh, so, yep, yeah, got myself all ready and prepared for that and off I went. Uh, very strange. It was a great experience for me, having never done a cross uh, duathlon before. Um, and, yeah, it was pretty pretty tough on that mountain bike and uh, a pretty tough second run after after coming off mountain bike four laps it wasn't long it was um the the ride was only 10k um but it's a different kettle of fish when you you're off road and riding through fields and things it puts a different perspective on uh, on the bike um but yeah got it done and um i was pleased i went along and i have used it as a training session to be fair um but yeah i mean it was a it was a good event the the done really well and um i'll definitely go back and do do it again if they manage to get the numbers up and sort the course out uh so thank you once again to endorphin um sports for putting the event on and letting me race um i know these things aren't easy and you've got a lot to to figure out and sort out and it's uh, especially when, in their case, some of the volunteers that they had marked um, down to come and help didn't turn up, and you're always firefighting then. And you know, I totally understood um, the predicament that they were in. So they did the best uh, with what they had, and that's all you can ask for. Um, so yeah, so if um, you're looking for a a few events, have a look at. Um, the Endorphin Sport Events website, and they do various runs. And I mean, the whole weekend uh, was taken up by Saturday was all different distances of running, uh, five and ten k's, and then the Sunday was duathlons, and in my case, across duathlon. Uh, so yeah, have a look at the web page and see what they offer, and they're pretty reasonably priced as well. I've noticed on Facebook there's been a few gripes and complaints about. Um, events being so expensive these days well if you have a look on there there's there's is pretty reasonable in comparison to other people that are putting events on so yeah have a look over on the website so that was that was that i um did the race i've i've got a time not sure whether it'll be accepted because i was the only one racing um but regardless i'll put it in and see what happens there is another one um in wales at the end of November, but I think we're going to be away for that, so that's not going to be possible. So, if you guys have got any uh, ideas of more uh, duathlon cross races that are going to be available and taking place, uh, get in touch, let me know, and um, we'll see what we can uh, come up with and, and do. See, see, if, and we'll see if um, 
we'll see if we can attend one of those and, and do a proper race. Probably be a bit fitter by then. So that was that. Um, been listening to a couple of good podcasts recently. And the first one was uh, another one on the Rich Roll podcast. And he had the French ultra runner on. And sorry if I butcher this uh, guy's name. Francois de Huyn. But he's got a totally different philosophy on doing sport. I mean, he's very successful um, at what he does. And basically, his takeaway was train with friends and enjoy the social afterwards because um, it reminds us why we do this in the first place. Uh, and that goes to remind me there's why we set up our tri club, the World's Breakfast Club. Um, and it was a group of like minded people, friends that actually not only enjoy training and uh, exercise, but we enjoy the social side of it afterwards as well. Um, so, yeah, that was a really good podcast, really worth a listen. Um, really, really nice guy. Um, and then there was another podcast that I was listening to, was uh, Quick Brain with um, Dr. Jim Quick. And he was talking about his four morning elements and uh, what process he goes through in the morning uh, to start his day. So that was that was pretty cool. Just finished watching the World Cycling um, Track Championships over there in uh, Paris, France. That was really, really good. The Brits did well. Um, we had a few gold medals and some fantastic performances. And also uh, a few bronze and silvers. So well done, team. They were. It was great to watch. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, and other than that, that was about it. I think. Um, not really been a lot of sport on the TV. Triathlons uh, have been on a bit of downtime at the moment. There are there are a couple more races left in the season at the World Championships. Um, so looking forward to those to see who can come out on top. And um, yeah, that's it. So time for the main event. And once again, we'd like to introduce uh, Dr. Jim Taylor. I hope you enjoy our conversation and we'll see you on the other side. We'll start off with um, your background uh, growing up as a kid uh, and then how you got into multi-sport and then age group that's usually the way it goes and then at the end of that there's a, a few a few quick fire questions and uh, it's usually around about 40 minutes okay that sounds good so yeah so and we can we can kick it off now and um you can start by telling us what you did growing up as a kid sport wise yeah first richard thank you so much for the invitation to be on your podcast um it sounds like a great opportunity to uh to share experiences of multi-sport athletes um with other age groupers, so I, I really appreciate that. Um, so my story began as a young alpine ski racer. Um, I was definitely not an endurance athlete when I was young. I was a lousy runner, I was a lousy biker. I basically didn't know how to swim. I was in the non-drowning category of swimming um, when I was growing up. Um, and so triathlon was, and multi-sport were, were not on my radar at all. Um, but um, I became a world-ranked alpine ski racer. Um, the way I put it is um, I competed with the best in the world, but they weren't worried about me. But, um, but I, I biked and I ran as part of my training for ski racing. 
And then as I got into um, young adulthood, I got into karate and I uh, had a second, I had a secondary black belt in karate and I did a bunch of tournament fighting, which I enjoyed. Um, and during all this time, I kept running. I biked a little bit, but not very much. Um, and then at some point, I um, got talked into doing a, like a 10K running race. And I, I'd always avoided racing because I love just being out and just running, whether it's on the trails or the road. And um, because I knew what would happen if I did a race. Um, I'd get hooked and I'd get competitive because I'm a competitive guy. And so that's exactly what happened. I did my 10K and I did pretty well. And I thought, gosh, I wonder how fast I can go. And that led to doing marathons. And um, I, my last two marathons, standalone marathons, I broke three hours, which was a major goal of mine. And around that time, I moved to San Francisco, and I'd been giving talks on the psychology of, of, um, of triathlon to triathlon, triathlon teams, but I hadn't done a triathlon yet. So I decided, you know what? I broke three hours in the marathon. It's time for a new challenge. So I, trans, I transitioned into, uh, pun intended, transitioned into <laughs> triathlon, and um, my third triathlon was an Ironman. Right. Um, I, I tend to go big if I'm going to go. And so between, let's see, 2002, 2002 and 2008, I did a couple of Ironmans, a bunch of 70.3s, some shorter races. And then um, I got married, had kids, and I, I just lost my competitive mojo all of a sudden. And I just, I just lost interest in competing. So I took an 11-year break. And during that time, I swam and, excuse me, I ran and I biked just for fitness. Um, I didn't swim for 11 years. And then in 2019, and this is where the age grouper thing comes in, um, I was out for a run in Quito, Ecuador at 9,500 feet. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, my tri-mojo started flowing through my veins again. It's like a, a switch got flipped. And I returned to the U.S. and I pulled out my triathlon bike, which had been in storage for literally 11 years. I did my first lap swim in 11 years. And um, three weeks later, I did my first Olympic distance triathlon. Wow. And since then, I've been absolutely hooked. Um, um, I'm, it's, it's aside from my kids, it's the, my greatest passion. Um, I devote a lot of time to it. Um, I love the, I love the data. I love the tech. Um, I did get a new tri bike. Um, and so for the last several years, I've been really focusing on, um, on, um, USA triathlon distance, Olympic distance, um, sprint, super sprint and uh, mixed team relay, which I've done a couple of times so far this year, which is really, really fun. Mm. And, and I've been really pleased that I've had, I keep I, having some real success. Um, so I qualified for Worlds um, this year. I was in Montreal for the um, Sprint and Team Relay Worlds, and I'm going to Abu Dhabi in November for the um, Olympic and Super Sprint event. And I just had nationals, and I was fifth in the Super Sprint and 19th in the Olympic. Um, so it's just been a, a really just wonderful experience um, re-entering triathlon, um, pushing myself again with goals, and and just being a part of the triathlon community, the age group community, which is just so wonderful, meeting people from around the U.S. and, and also from around the world. Yeah. So could you just explain to uh, the listeners how the um, qualification system is over in the States? Yeah. So to qualify for world events, um, you have to compete in a, in a national championship. And there were two this year. One was in April um, for the shorter distances, the sprint, the super sprint, and the, um, the team relay. 
And then there was the um, nationals, uh, the um, Olympic distance nationals in Milwaukee in August. And so they I, they allot I think maybe something like eighteen slots per age group mm-hmm. um, with a roll down. Yeah. And so because a lot of people just don't want to travel internationally, and I was fortunate enough to, this year to get roll down. And for next year, I already qualified. I I, got, I just earned um, world uh, slots for next year because I'm aging up, which is going to be fun being the baby in the age group. Um, where I've been sort of the old guy in the age group. Um, and so uh, it's it's definitely competitive. Um, there are a lot of guys and gals who are just super fast, mm. and, and they've been doing they've been doing triathlons for you know for for 20, 30 years. They have so much experience, mm. and it's been fun to get back in the sport um, for just a couple of years and, and have some success um, against them, and also just someone to aim for. Um, just guys who in my age group are just really really good, and seeing if I can catch up with them. And some some I admit, Richard, I will never catch up with them because. Some of them are just freaks. Um, like 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 one guy. He's won he's won nationals for like 18 years in his age group. He was a he was a 218 marathoner, and and you can't train that. No. You know, they, they're just, you're just born with that. So, uh, but but it's it's fun to see. Exactly natural ability. Um, but um, but it's fun to see to to use him and others as sort of a measure a gauge of where my fitness is and how competitive I am. Mm. Um, so it's it's been it's been great fun. Good, good. And are you uh, in a club uh, locally, or uh, are you coached at all? Yeah, so I, I'm not in a club. I'm a bit of a lone wolf. That's my personality. I'm sort of introverted, and so I, I pretty much always train alone. Um, I'm not averse to riding with somebody or swimming with somebody or running with somebody, and I have a few people I do with occasionally. But what I like about training by myself is that I, I can stick with my program. Um, I do have a coach. His name's Dr. Greg Rhodes. I'm like like Rhodes Scholar. Um, he's a PhD in exercise physiology, and he was a top age grouper. And so having a coach has been phenomenal. Mm. So, so I've had him for two seasons now, and for the two previous seasons, I kind of just made it up as I went along my program. I just sort of did whatever, and it, it wasn't working out very well. And so it, it's amazing to have a coach who who knows the sport so well, who knows the, the physiology of it so mm. well, and who can basically just give me my programs on training peaks, and I just follow them. And, and we talk usually once a month, and we, we text and email back and forth. And I've learned so much um, because I also just love learning about what it takes to be your best. Mm. And so really understanding the physiological side is, is powerful because I obviously, given what I do for a living, I'm a sports psychologist. Um, I, um, I understand the psychological side, but the, but the physical side, bike fitting, technology, all that stuff, um, I, I've, I've just learned so much from Greg um, in terms of ways that I can improve my performance. And, and I'm, I, just, I just love knowledge, and I love understanding how things work. And so having a coach has been really valuable. Yeah. And how has um, your own personal and working background helped you um, in the success that you've had in, in triathlon? Sure, sure. Well, well, obviously I've had a long athletic background, and so I've, I've, I've competed at a very high level in a number of different sports, and I think that's helped me sort of psychologically, and it's helped me understand what it takes to be the best I can be and to compete against some of the best in the world. So that's helped a lot. Also, professionally, again, I'm a sports psychologist. I have a PhD in psychology, and my career has been devoted to helping athletes and, and other high-level performers to, to be their best. And I've, I've worked in, in just about every sport, but I tend to gravitate toward the sports that, that, um, that I participate in. So I work with a lot of ski racers. 
Um, I work with a lot of endurance athletes because that's my passion. And the funny thing about what I do is that I kind of have to practice what I preach <laughs> because I have to, um, you know, it wouldn't be good for me to have an emotional meltdown at the start of a race. Um, and so, so all the things that I talk about with my athletes, everything from motivation to confidence to, to anxiety to focus to emotions, um, I have to apply to myself. And I do. Yeah. And, and I, I think because of that, I, I'm pretty strong mentally when it comes to, uh, to competing. Um, I think it also helps that I have a really good perspective on it. Like, like I, I know I'm probably never going to win a world title. I'm out here really to have fun and to push myself. And, and to see how I can do. Um, and so if I don't have a great race, I'm not super bummed about it. And then when I do have a great race, I'm really excited about it. Mm. And so it's fun to be able to, in a way, be my, my first, my own guinea pig, to see what works mentally for me, and then to try that out with my clients and see what works for them. Yeah. And so, so certainly it's been great, um, really enjoyable to be able to take my professional life and sort of combine it a little bit with my athletic life to and, and it goes both ways so um being a being a competitor at a high level makes me a better sports psychologist mm. and by the same token um being knowing all these things about the psychology of triathlon and multi-sport helps me be a better competitor sure and what's the top tip then after all that that you could give give away uh, that would help us as uh, multi-sport athletes Okay, can, can, can we go to top three? Because top one is a little I didn't, bit I didn't want to be. T- I didn't want to be too greedy. I was. You can go for top ten if you like, but. <laughs> oh, okay, well, let's just see if we can come set with some. Um, first of all, is approach approach um, multi sport um, with the right attitude. That it, that if you're all about results, you're ultimately not going to be satisfied because there's always in multi sports somebody who's faster than you, except for the very best person. And if you just go in with if you're driven by your passion, by your love of working hard and pushing your limits, and again, part of it's part of the, being a part of the community and just really enjoying the experience of training hard, pushing yourself, and then get to a race and just seeing what you're capable of. And that's tip number one. If you go in with a really good, healthy attitude, it makes everything else so much easier. Um, s- second, with motivation, be driven by your love of the sport not of results or caring too much about what other people do. Because ultimately, there are techniques that I can give people to help them be more motivated, but ultimately, it has to come from within. Like, you want to just, you want to go out there and train hard and, and suffer because it's so, it feels so good, ultimately. And it's so gratifying to, again, to continue to push yourself and see what you're capable of and see, see the improvement. Hmm. And so that's motivation. Um, Anxiety, especially pre-race anxiety, is a huge issue um, for multi-sport athletes, um, and, and for, for a very good reason. In some cases, swimming, mm. if you're if you're a triathlete or an aquathon or aquabike, um, it's swimming in open water is inherently anxiety-provoking for most people, unless you grew up swimming. Again, which I didn't. And so, really using tools like breathing, relaxing the body, focusing on technique, focusing on your pacing. These are all really valuable ways you can reduce your anxiety um, before a race and then during a race. Mm. And so, so that's with anxiety. Um, another really good tip is focus. Always focus in the moment. Don't think about how you had a bad swim or a good swim. Don't think about, oh my gosh, I st- I, if you're doing Ironmans, for example, 
you know, I, I still have 60 miles of the bike and 26.2 miles of the run. Always focus on where am I now? How am I doing now? My pace. What does my body feel? How's my body feel? Um, how's my nutrition? How's my hydration? Do I need to make any adjustments? Because if you focus on what you need to do right now, the chances are you will perform well right now. And if you continue to add those moments up, you'll get to the end and you'll have a really good race. Fantastic. Um, and then I guess one thing, which is a big part of multi-sport, is just be being flexible and recognizing that things aren't always going to go well and that you have to make adjustments, again, in nutrition, hydration, pace, and so on. And, and just be really aware of, of, of what's going on with your body, with your mind, and then doing what you need to do to, to settle back down and get to a pace and in, 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 a, in a, a way you can continue forward, even when it's hard. Mm, yeah, they're great, uh, great sound bites of of advice uh, for everybody listening, um, and and because we've we've discussed your background and what you actually do, do you want to um, you know give yourself a plug and just basically tell us a little bit about your professional background in sports psychology? Yeah, I mean, I'm not on here to... to no, I, yeah, I, I get that. I understand that. But it's because it, it, it's sort of all entwined anyway. It's worth it's worth going into, I think. Sure, I appreciate that. And so um, I have a website, like everybody these days. It's drjimtaylor.com, drjimtaylor. And on it, I have um, probably 95% of everything I've ever done is on there for free. So if you go to my blog, I have a, a triathlon category in my blog where I where I write about all things travel and related to psychology. Um, I have podcasts. Um, if you want, you can go in, onto Amazon and, and look for my books. Um, and so my website really just provides you with, with so many sources of information about the psychology of sport. And not just for endurance sports, but all kinds of sports. Um, also, um, I have on there a bunch of partners that I work with. Uh, sponsors, uh, different kinds of bike equipment and so on and so forth, and people might find that interesting. And um, and then of course, if as I indicated, I, I love being a part of this community. So if anybody just has any questions, not not in terms of hiring me, but just in terms of understanding, you know, uh, asking questions that I might be able to answer by email. Um, my email, my contact information is on there, and I encourage people to reach out to me. I, I love just sharing my ideas, and it's for me, it's it's not just about making a living. Um, it's about it's my passion. Cool. And and my professional passion is sharing my ideas and helping people, and my personal passion is multi-sport. And you put those together, and I just want to help people become the best they can be in, in whatever they're doing. Excellent, that's great. And you're also on um, uh, you're also on Instagram, is that right? I'm in all all the usual yeah. social media: Instagram, yeah. um, Facebook, Twitter, cool. and um, in LinkedIn, of course. And they're all they're all on your your website. All those links. Yeah, so that's that's really good. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add before we go on to the quick fire questions? So the first one is, uh, what's your favourite piece of kit, and why? Um, that's a tough one. So I guess I have two. One is my Team USA kit, um, because when I wear it, I, I feel like I'm representing our country. Yeah. And when I went to Montreal for the World Championships, I, I was so proud to be a part of Team USA. And represent our country so so and i just got a new one that's super fast so i'm excited about that and um and then um my tri-bike um, 
it's a it's a new one. It's a Sipo, Sipo. It's a Japanese it's a Japanese boutique brand. It's a bean bike. Um, I've always liked non-traditional bikes, um, non-traditional frame sets, and um, I bought the frame set. Um, I don't know back in December, I think, and I I sourced all the parts and I built the bike, and and I basically created um, what for me is my dream bike. And it's just so fun to have something that's really high tech and and helps me be fast that's fantastic yeah that's really really cool just going on on your uh, us kit how often do they change it and are, are you like us over in the uk you've got to fund it yourself and everything's self-funded yeah so everything's self-funded here too the kits are not are not cheap for sure and so the, the agreement is that we can use our kits for, for three years right yeah and then they, they often maybe find another company to make them to make the kits or they um, or, or they uh, change the design. Yeah. So it's good for three years. Yeah. Yeah. It's very similar to this to the UK. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not a unfortunately it's not a not a cheap a cheap thing to to get into, but yeah, it's worth it. Um, okay. So moving on to what advice would you give to anybody wanting to get into multi-sport um, to start off with, and then to try and qualify for age group. Yeah, so just start off, start off small, start off short, because there's a lot of pressure in our sport, um, especially in triathlon, to to want to go big. Like everybody, everybody will say, if you say you do triathlon, people will ask, oh, you do Ironman? You been to Kona? And and the fact is, we doing Ironmans are cool, but they take a lot of time and a lot of energy. And I found having switched from long course to short course that I love Olympic and sprint and super sprint distances. So just start off small. Um, just do a little bit of running, do a little biking, do a little swimming. Don't worry about how, how you, what results are. Just get out there and just see what it's like and see if you enjoy it. Mm. And it, it's, it's, it's a really fun sport because there's so much variety to it. And there's so many ways to improve. And then just slowly work your way up. Um, I encourage you to, if, you, if you're very social, um, join a, a local triathlon or a multi-sport club because it's really, it's really fun for most people to ride with people or bike with them or swim with them. And it's also much more motivating. And then just as you do more and more, if you really like it, just continue to do it and, and build up. And maybe um, in, in the U.S., we have USA Triathlon with you guys. I don't know the name, but it's like Team GB. Yeah. And, um, and they've, they've sanctioned races, I assume. Mm-hmm. And if you want to, you know, try to go to, to regional level and national level. And then if you're really ambitious to go try to get up to the world level, you can just go to different series of races where you qualify, hopefully, and you just work your way up. But ultimately, the, the real satisfaction for me is not the results. It's not about qualifying for worlds or anything like that. It's just the experience of being on my bike, being out of the run, being in the pool, and, and out in open water, and just enjoying being really active. And, and as, as I said before, pushing myself. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Wise words, wise words. Um, what resources do you use to help you? just in general for multi-sport and that can be anything really yeah so aside from having a coach of course um i I'm, I'm a total like tech guy so i'm online i watch all kinds of youtube videos lionel sanders um i watch an ironman championships today um, um there are all kinds of reviews on youtube um i um slow twitch which is a great website for a forum for asking questions and and learning about the latest equipment and ask to um, to get answered questions answered that you'd like to know. 
So if you just go online and you just search for anything, nutrition, um, uh, uh, bikes, um, uh, clothing, um, hydration, whatever it is. Um, oh, another really great one is a fellow named Dylan Johnson. Okay. He's got a YouTube channel. He's actually a cyclist. He's not a multi-sport guy. But he's, his, his, his YouTube channel focuses, focuses on taking the best scientific research in different areas of, of, of cycling and endurance sports. So it totally applies to multi-sport and making it understandable. So his name's Dylan Johnson. He's on YouTube. Phenomenal resource. So just if, if anything you want to learn about, if you, if you type in a, the search engine and you, uh, you'll pull up all kinds of great things um, to answer any questions you might have. And, and just really just to learn more about the d- different aspects of the sport. Yeah, cool. And also, for me, I love watching multi-sport competitions. So if I'm doing an easy spin in my indoor trainer or I'm doing a, a weight workout in my little gym in my house, um, I've got the TV on and I'm watching amazing athletes train. And for me, that's so inspiring and so motivating. Yeah, yeah. Have you been watching any of the uh, Super League? Yeah, yeah. I watch Super League, absolutely. Uh, really exciting to see the different formats that they use yeah. and the different competitions. Alex Yee is my favorite. That is short course for athlete. Um, he's a Brit, of course, and because he's a small guy, too. I'm, I'm 60 kilos. I'm, we're about the same size. And so I, I really appreciate Alex Yee. Um, so I watch a lot of Super League. I watch the, the Championship Series. Um, I've been watching the um, Collins Cup, obviously, is really exciting. And uh, this year with the, with the U.S. Open and the Canadian Open, uh, again, really, really interesting stuff. And so, so I'm just, I, just, I just devour all things multi-sport. Yeah, yeah same, same. I think uh, that so, the Super League is so clever how they've um, just changed the sport completely to make it more... Um, viewable and you know more interesting than you know watching a long course. Not that long course hasn't got its its place, but it just gives a total different dynamic to our sport. And it's uh, I think it's getting more people involved as well. So that can only be a good thing. And finally, um, what are your short and long term goals? Yeah, short term goals is um, I have um, the World Olympics and Olympic and Super Sprint Championships in Abu Dhabi in November, and so I'm training really hard. I'm in a very intense training block right now to prepare there. And this is only my second World Championship, so I'm still trying to figure out what I'm capable of. But and I've also found that I'm actually better at the sprint and the super sprint than the Olympic distance at this point. Um, and so because I'm more of a run, running is my 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 uh, my, my my strength. And so um, I'd like to have a really good couple of races there. And again, I don't know what's possible. I maybe think maybe in the Super Sprint top five, maybe. I don't know. Um, but more than anything, just gaining experience. And then long-term goals is I'm aging up next year, as I said. And so I'll be the youngest in my age group. And so uh, the fact is that that in my in my age groups my age group, four years, five years makes a difference. Mm. And so I'm really looking forward to next year moving up where I'm the baby and where I can really have an impact and really make a mark in, in my age group. And, and maybe, I don't know, I mean, my fantasy is a national title maybe or a world title. I would say that's probably a long shot, but um, I like to dream big. And so um, more than anything, I just want to continue to love the sport and, and continue to see what I'm capable of and continue to see how, how much better I can get. Yeah. And um, every day, you know, that I do a workout, I, I get off and I'm, I'm, I'm like, I have a smile on my face. I'm euphoric. 
and and then being able to travel to national and international events is is great fun to meet, especially from uh, uh, traveling from other countries and 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 get to know pe people um, who also get pushed myself. And, and seeing, seeing how I can do with the results against other competitors, because I am a competitive guy. Fantastic. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, I guess for, for us, it's in, in this sort of environment, it's the long game, isn't it? You know, because obviously the older we get, the less allegedly competitors there are. So the more chance we've got of doing better, <laughs> which is a bit of a morbid way of looking at it, but, you know. Well, well, Richard. One of my another goal of mine is I'll just outlive everybody else. Champion simply because I'm, I, I'm, I'm alive. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's, it's amazing. It's awe-inspiring to see guys and gals who are in their 80s. Yeah. And even there's a 92-year-old woman at nationals this year. And and I went up to her and I said, I want to be you when I grow up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've there's a guy in our club and he's 76 now, and um. We sadly lost uh, one of our elders in the GB squad, uh, Morris, who was, I think he was 80, um, he was well in his 80s. Uh, he sadly passed. And they are, they're just, like you just said, they're just totally awe-inspiring and that's who we want to be when we grow up. We want to keep doing this and keep getting fitter and stronger and, and keep keep young, really. I think that's the, the point, isn't it? Indeed, just being healthy and active is just, um, it's a great way to get older. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to land it. Um, thank you ever so much for your time and all your input and your information. And your story is, uh, it's inspiring like all the others that I've, I've had on. And it's nice to get somebody from across the pond um, to give us a bit of an insight on how you guys go about it. So thank you ever so much for coming on, Jim. My pleasure. Great fun, Richard. Be well. Have a yeah. Good luck in Abu Dhabi, and uh, we might cross paths sometime. That'd be great. Looking forward Thank to you. It. Take care. Bye. So that was Dr. Jim Taylor. Um, thank you once again for reaching out, Jim, and agreeing to come on the podcast. And uh, good luck over there in Abu Dhabi. I hope you smash it, and we'll be watching and uh, seeing how you get on and perform. Uh, got a friend and a, a teammate of mine, Karen Hames, who's been on this podcast and she was on episode 35 and Karen's also racing over there in Abu Dhabi. So, yeah, be uh, nice to watch and see how they get on. Before we close down the show, we just had a bit of uh, information come through about where me and Mrs C and our teammates will be racing next year in the uh, European Sprint Duathlon uh, for GB. And it's going to be in Italy, in Venice, of all places. So that's a turn up for the books. One of Mrs C's favourite countries of all time. Um, and jokingly, I said even before we started this whole thing, um, wouldn't it be funny if we all qualified and it was in Italy? And lo and behold, it's in Italy. So that's some great news and uh, we're all really happy about that. And that's about it for this episode. Uh, thank you once again for taking your time out and listening um, whatever you're doing whether you're training, walking the dog doesn't really matter does it it's uh, much appreciated and um, 
If you'd like to get in touch with us and drop us an email or a message or some form of communication, uh, and if you'd like to come on the podcast and share your story or somebody you know has got a really good story, get them to come on. Um, you can get in touch with uh, email, agegroupmultisportpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Instagram at amp underscore 1967. We are on Facebook at AmpGB. And we're on Twitter at Age Group Multisport Podcast. Um, yeah, you can find all of our previous podcasts, and we're now on to 60, as I said at the beginning of the programme. And they're all there on our website, which is agegroupmultisportpodcast.buzzsprout.com or your normal platform um, that you find your podcasts on. Buzzsprout's my favourite, but there's obviously lots and lots of others, um, Apple Podcasts being one of them. So, yeah, thank you once again. Please do get in touch. Uh, any questions or any messages, please uh, don't be shy. It's nice to hear from you and great to get some feedback. We'll see you next time. And don't forget, stay safe, keep training. I love the process. Mm-hmm.